0: You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message we're going to dive into the last part of our series, the fullness of Jesus, the fullness of Jesus. Before we do, I want to share the story uh, with you. Uh, A man and his wife and his mother-in-law went on vacation to the Holy Land, to Israel. And while they were there, the mother-in-law passed away. An undertaker told them, you can have her shipped home for $5,000 or you can bury her here in the Holy Land for only $150. The man thought about it for a moment and told him that he would just rather have her shipped home. The undertaker asked, why, why would you spend $5,000 to ship your mother-in-law home? Uh, by the way, my mother-in-law's sitting in the front row, so uh, I... I <laughs> 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 she said, watch it. Uh, he says, why would you spend $5,000 to ship your mother-in-law home when it would be wonderful to have her buried here in the Holy Land and only spend $150? The man said, well... There was a man who died 2,000 years ago. He was buried here. And three days later, he rose from the grave. And I just can't take that chance. (laughs) Uh, All right, John. (laughs) I'm just going to move on. John chapter (laughs) 1. John chapter 1. I shared this with you last week as we've been going through this, talking about the fullness of Jesus. There's so much more to know. Uh, to grow in and experience. And we're actually gonna focus in on the second of those growing today, growing in Christ. But uh, I gave you this verse last week at the beginning of the message, John chapter one, verse 16. It says of Jesus that of his fullness, we have all received. Of his fullness. You have not been given a a, a little bit of what Jesus is and has to offer. You've not been given a measure of the spirit. You've not been given a measure of his promises, a measure of his goodness, a measure of his of his his grace for you and for me. No, in fact, it says of his fullness, the fullness of Jesus, of his fullness we have all received. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, that's where it all starts. You have available to you the fullness of his word, the fullness of his promises, the fullness of everything that Jesus wants to do in our lives. Last week we saw in Psalm 103 how he forgives all our sin, all our iniquity, heals all our diseases, redeems our life from destruction, crowns us with loving kindness and mercies. And then it says that our youth is renewed like the eagles. In other words, there's something that God wants to renew in our life. All of that is just a taste, a drop in an ocean of all that God provides for us in Jesus. The fullness of Jesus, and we have all received that. That's good news. Today, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 to talk about growing in Christ, growing in Jesus. And as I said the first week, we can know him. We can grow in our experience of the fullness of Jesus. And of course, we can personally encounter that, experience that for ourselves, uh, because it's never meant to just be information. Even when you read the Bible, you're not just reading about what God did. You're reading about, uh, in fact, the Bible is the only book in the entire world that's meant to be read with the author every day. And, And you have available to us the great and exceeding precious promises of his word. And so the Bible is not just a history book, but it's a prophetic book. It lets us know what God is going to do in our lives. It says, but to each of us, Ephesians chapter four, verse seven, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. To each one of us, grace was given. See, mercy is when I don't get what I deserve. And I'm thankful for mercy. How about you? The Bible says the wages of our sin was death. But the gift of God is eternal life. When we don't get what we deserve because of our own sin, our own decision to run from God, to choose our own way, that's Mercy. But grace takes it a step further. If I could put it in financial terms, uh, that, that mercy is what takes us out of the red, but it's grace that puts us into the black. It's, it's, mer- it's grace that adds something to our life. Grace is what when we're when we're given what we never deserve. There's a great acronym uh, for those that like to like acronyms and like to take notes. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. There is the fullness of Jesus is made available because of what Jesus did on the cross. And each one of us was given grace according to. And, and that phrase according to is important. I just read to you in the offering that, that he supplies all our needs according to, that it's not just a little bit out. Out of, but he does according to the measure of the fullness. That's an important distinction, uh, an important distinction, that according to the measure of what he has available, he has provided for you and for me. and he gives us grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high he led captivity captive. Jesus when he rose from the grave and even ascended to heaven, he did something very important. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He disarmed principalities and powers. And uh, he it's describes here and in another place that Jesus was like a conquering king. And in, in ancient times, when a, when a Roman general or Roman emperor would conquer another city, they would lead in procession all of those that they defeated. They would lead in procession the generals that had been humbled and the captive kings that they had uh, conquered. And they would lead them through their city in triumph. And as they did this, they would throw gifts to the crowd that were cheering and celebrating and that's the picture that Jesus took captive what had held you and I captive whatever's overcoming you today Jesus already overcame it and he's the victory he's the answer and then not only was that enough but he gave gifts to you and I He gave you gifts of his grace. He ascended. What does it also mean? Verse 9, that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, all the heavens, that he might fill all things. God wants to fill your life. And he himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers uh, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. What does that mean? It means that God's equipping all of us for the very thing we're created for. You were born for something that makes an impact for eternity. Uh, You know, if I could just take a moment and ask you, is what you invest your life in going to end up in heaven one day? Because what we're called to as the church is to invest in the lives of people, to reach them for Jesus, and then to see them made into disciples. That's the, the mission of not just pastors and missionaries, but it's the entire church. As we're equipped to do the thing that God has created us for, till we all come, verse 13, to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or a fully mature man. So my, my oldest son, he's 13, and... Uh, he's the NASCAR fan that we were, he took me to the NASCAR race the other, a couple weeks ago. He's, he's uh, about two or three months ago, I had him stand next to his mom uh, and, and he's already passed her up by about an inch. And so two or three months ago, we had him stand next to her and, and, you know, like all, all parents, you're like, are you growing this much? And, and, and something happened in the last two or three months. Not only did he grow an inch, but he grew another inch. And so in, in the last month and a half, he's now two inches taller than my wife. And I just, I, you know, I, I don't know how we've got to raise the ceiling in our house. But there's just something about his growth. And, and I can measure right now. I'm looking for benchmarks. So right now we're having him stand next to my wife. Next is me. He's going to be passing me up. But, but, it's, but when we look at our lives and our growth, see, there's lots of areas of growth for us. There's professional growth in your job. There's, there's financial growth in your finances. There's relational growth in your relationships. There's emotional growth as we mature and develop. There's, there's all kinds of areas we can grow, but the, 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 I believe the most important and the foundational one is our spiritual growth. It's our spiritual growth because it underrides and undergirds every other area of our life as we develop. See, when we start with Jesus, we're given everything available for us to grow. And the measure that God uses, or the measure that he calls us to as the church, and honestly the only valid measure for us is not to compare ourselves with ourselves. I know we have a comparison culture, so it's easy to scroll and to look at everybody else's family. Nobody in here ever does that, right? And you're looking at other people's business and compare it to yours. You're looking at other people's faith walk and you're comparing it to yours. And, and the thing is with comparison is it only produces two unhealthy responses. I either think I'm better than you or I think I'm less than you and neither is valid. The only measure we are to use, the only thing we are to look to is what it says right here. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, the problem with comparing to somebody else is I can go, yeah, my, I, I'm a little bit further ahead than them. Not you, that was the first service crowd. <laughs> like, like you, can, you can think you're good or, or you've grown as much as you need to or you're no longer being challenged and you're no longer, you know, anybody who's, we've all grown, it's uncomfortable. And growth sometimes is, involves, it always involves change and, and sometimes it even involves some pain. But growth is necessary. It's not only a part of life, but in your spiritual walk, it's the only answer. We're meant to grow. And the standard and the measure and what we're growing after is to be like Jesus. And he's the answer. And I'm just going to tell you, there's areas for me where I look at Jesus and go, I've still got a long way to go. Some of you are like, no, I'm arrived. I'm a spiritual saint. There's a halo over my head. But for the rest of us, who are blessed by your presence in the room, by the way. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, so, but here's the reality that you and I are, are there's all of us have areas to grow. I have areas in my walk where, where I, I look at, I want to I in at the end of my life and my time here on earth to love people more than I do right now. I want to have more faith than I even do right now. I want to see those things grow. And he's the standard. He's what we're growing towards. He's what we're being made in the image of. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children. The space and the gap between where I am and where God has called me and created me to be is the process of growth and maturity. And he says we shouldn't stay where we're at like children, but we should grow and mature and develop wherever we're at. And it's going to look different for all of us. For some of us, it's just one more step. It can be intimidating for some of us to feel like, man, there's just so much that needs to change. And it's okay. Can I just help somebody? It's okay not to have arrived yet. The problem is when we stay still. And so no matter how much I know and no matter how much I've experienced, there's so much more. He says we shouldn't be like children, tossed to and fro, carried about with what? Every wind of doctrine. And that word doctrine it can, uh, of course, describes what we believe about God. But can I just tell you, just simply teaching, the world has a doctrine. The culture has a doctrine. People around you have a way they do things, a way they live their life, what's priority, what's important. And the problem is, for some people, it lines up with God's word, and for others, it doesn't. And, and we can be, even as Christians, we can be bandwagon people. We're for whatever the latest thing is for. Quiet now. And we can be moved and tossed like he describes here with every wind. Some people turn on the TV to find out what am I supposed to be mad at today? But the problem is when we stay in that place, we never grow because our life isn't built on the the, the changing winds. It's built on the foundation of God's Word, the foundation of Jesus carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. What does it look like when your spiritual life begins to grow? Well, I believe it looks like growing in faith, growing in love, growing in our character, growing in our relationships, growing in the way we reflect Jesus to the world around us. Second Peter 3 describes this. He says, You therefore, verse 17, Beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall away from your own steadfastness. I know we don't use steadfast very often in our language anymore, but to be steadfast means to be fixed, to be immovable, to set your face to something that matters. And steadfastness is kind of the opposite of, 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 well, I'm just going to push the snooze button in my spiritual life. I've told you before that one of my biggest challenges, I'm, I'm a night person, like I can stay up all night, but I'm trying to rewire myself to be a morning person. And, and, and i just tell you, one of the challenges I've always had is the alarm clock. Because I have this amazing gift. It's not in the spiritual gifts test, but I have this amazing gift to be able to disable any alarm in my sleep. So I have to put them across the room. <laughs> to, 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 and, and some of us treat our spiritual life like that. We, we hit the snooze button. We stop growing in some areas that God's called us to grow in. And we lose our steadfastness. We become moved by every emotion and every feeling and everything that's happening in our culture and we're moved by anything and everything, but we're called to be steadfast. He says, don't be led away with the error of the wicked, but here's what we should do. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We can grow. We can know. And what does he say? He he says, we can grow in these two things. We can grow in the grace. See, grace is more than just forgiveness. Grace is actually... The ability, the the grace of God empowers us to do what God has created us to do. The Christian life is actually not just hard, it's impossible without him. But with him, he gives us grace. He gives us grace to be parents, he gives us grace to be spouses, he gives us grace to be Christians, to walk in the things of God. We need his grace apart from him. Sometimes, especially us doers in the room, like if nothing's happening, we're just gonna do something. Even if it's from our own effort, our own ability, our own wisdom. But the thing is, we were never called to live life like that. We were called to depend upon the grace, the ability, the help of God. We need to know what's God's part. We need to know what's our part. I've got three points for you today. Very first one, number one is grace is God's part. But growth is ours. And when I speak of growth, I'm talking about your personal spiritual growth. See, no one can take responsibility for your growth like you. But grace makes it possible. Grace is God's part. But there's some things in life that no one else can do for me. No one else can do. And even as the church, we lift each other up, but there's something that happens in our life. There comes a decision we have to make to be willing to take responsibility for our own personal growth. Matthew 25 is a parable. It's a sobering parable, but it's a parable of uh, the ten virgins. And they're part of the bridal party that's awaiting the coming of the bridegroom. And it's this great picture of the return of Jesus that as we wait, his coming, and he is coming again, by the way. He is coming again, by the way. And, 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 and here's this picture. It says that in the parable that Jesus told, the story that Jesus said in verse one, it says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like to 10 virgins who took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise And five were foolish. And we'll see why some were wise and some were foolish. It says, those who were foolish took their lamps, but they took no oil with them. So they've got their lamps, but they don't have extra oil. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So so they they brought alongside. So the the foolish were those that had There's some oil in the lamp, but it's eventually going to run out. And the wise have brought vessels with extra oil. That's the difference between the two. And it says, but verse five, while the bridegroom was delayed. And I just know that there's so many things that God does suddenly in our lives. And and he's he's not just a God of, well, someday, one day he'll do something. No, no, he's a God of today. But there are some things where there's delay. And I've found as a pastor in 18 years, delay is the biggest struggle for a lot of people. Because it says, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Even the wise. See, I know some of us like me, you know, I feel like Peter sometimes, like, Jesus, I'm in this and I'm never going to get discouraged. I'm never going to get tired. But then we do when there's delay, there's a gap between what we've prayed and what we've seen happen yet. There's a gap between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise and, and some of us are in a delay moment right now and the issue is not about the delay, the issue is do we have the oil we need? Because watch what happens next. While the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Then a voice, the voice of the bridegroom, a cry came at night. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. So then all those virgins arose. They trimmed their lamps. They prepared them. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Why did they need oil? Because in the delay, their oil ran out. And they looked to the five who were wise, and they said, give us some of your oil. And the wise said, and this is why they're wise, not only did they prepare, but they realized they didn't have enough for them. He said, we can't give you our oil. You have to go and buy for yourselves. There's some things in our life that no one else can do for us. We need to know what God does, and we need to know what our responsibility is and how we can grow. And I think the issue is found right here. Growth will cost you something. He said to those that, they said to the, the foolish, they said, go and buy for yourselves. I don't know why they didn't buy it in the first place. Maybe they thought they had more time. Maybe they thought life would always be the way it is. And, and those of us who've experienced the last few years, all of us have like some of the major massive changes. I heard recently that they're expecting in the next 10 years, there's going to be more change in the last 100 years. Combined. <laughs> which is staggering. But what we've seen, even in the last few years, do you know what it's done? It's let us know where we had oil and where we ran out. Some of us thought we had enough oil in our relationships and then it ran out. We thought we had enough oil in our character, but it ran out. We thought we had enough oil in our faith, but delay happened and it ran out. Things didn't go as planned and it ran out. And I want to challenge you today because I believe that God's preparing us for something greater he's actually preparing us for fullness (laughs) he's preparing us for the fullness of his promise his calling for your life your family this city our church all of it but to grow to there is going to cost something and it's something that somebody else can't do for us growing in fact number two growing to the next level in your life requires change it requires some measure of change i i uh Last year when there were a couple different tornado warnings I had in advance of that had placed battery or not batteries I had placed flashlights down in my basement and my kids found them They found them before I needed them So so, <laughs> so when the time came for us to go down to the basement to wait out the storm I go to check the flashlight, and I get the very first one, and I click it on, but nothing's turning on. And then I look, I've got like four or five of them up there that I've had, you know, one for each of our family members. I'm like, here, everybody's going to have a flashlight. They're all dead. And I didn't bother to check in the waiting season or the waiting time or the preparation time, do I have fresh batteries? Because at some point, these run out. At some point, they get depleted, sometimes through the process of time and and neglect, and sometimes just simply through use, but they need to be changed out. And some of us are living off of old batteries. We're living off of old oil, and we need something fresh today. We've done things the same way. I've heard it said that if you do things the way you've always done them, you're going to get what you've always gotten. And if we're honest, some of us have a flashlight, but it's not turning on, because what used to work isn't working anymore. What used to work, isn't, it doesn't do what it used to do. And so we don't know what the way forward. And I think it starts with this. It starts with changing some things. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In other words, there were some things that were appropriate for the season that I was in. But then there came a point for me to grow. I had to put away some things. And maybe that's what we need to do because, you know, I, I remember one season of my, my early walk with Jesus, I, I had an opportunity to, to, to go to a certain activity that our, a, a group of friends had put on. And it was good. It built my faith. It taught me to pray. And, and it was awesome. And, and I, go, I grew to depend on it. It was like a lifeline in the middle of the week. And, and I, listen, when I came to Jesus, I was at long before I ever thought I'd be a pastor, had any interest. I I actually hated public speaking. So that was not on my radar, but, but let me just tell you this. I was in church every opportunity I got and my church was 45 minutes away from where I lived. And the reason that I grew was I was going to get as much as I could about Jesus I was going to, and, and so, so, but one of these things, my work schedule changed with one of the things during the week, and I couldn't go to this event with this group of friends anymore, and I was really discouraged, and I, I, I was praying, and this is one of the first times God ever taught me this, and the picture he gave me was of a, of a new tree, and it stood out to me because I lived in the desert, and we didn't have much of any trees, but, but a new tree, when it's planted, has to have support systems around it to be able to keep it straight, And there comes a stage of its development where those supports are no longer necessary and sometimes have to be removed. And there's sometimes we're depending on things to be a certain support in a certain season. We're depending on certain relationships. There's certain things that, that are now depleted and we've got to be willing to allow some things to change. Growing to the next level requires change. Sometimes we like things where they are because, to be honest, they're familiar. They're comfortable. I like comfortable. <laughs> but comfortable never involves growth. Comfortable is actually the enemy of growth. And when I become uncomfortable in a good way, and it's God doing something in me, he's challenging me to grow. He's challenged me beyond what I've trusted in, what I've depended on, and, I'm t- and he's allowing me to change the batteries, change the oil, change to something new that I need for my new season. Third and final point, and I've got a few things I want to run through with this. I'm going to go through them quickly. These are not new. They'll be very familiar for our church family, but I want to really spend time on this. Number three is lasting growth is the result of daily decisions. Lasting growth is the result. Lasting spiritual growth, and it's true in a lot of areas. You know, I, Let me just say, you know, Derek, who did an awesome job singing, leading out today. um, If I go to the gym and work out for five minutes, I'm not going to look like Derek yet. Are you with me? It's daily decisions. Daily decisions produce long-term results. And it's true in your spiritual life. Your daily decisions affect everything else. It affects your relationships. It affects your walk with God. It affects your, as far as what you're receiving out of it. Not on God's end. God's made his fullness available, by the way. But sometimes there's a disconnect between the promise and what he's made available and what we're receiving. And I I believe in part, it has to do with what we're willing to grow into. And again, it's not okay. It's okay to not have arrived, but it's not okay to stand still. Because there's so much more. In fact, Paul said, I read this to you last week, Philippians 3, verse 12. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved all these things or that I've already reached perfection. And Paul would say that, man. (laughs) But he says, I press on to possess the perfection or or fullness for which Christ Jesus has first possessed me. He says, I'm after one thing. I'm after it. I'm pursuing it. I'm growing in it. I want to give you six quick keys that produce lasting growth in a in in relationship with Christ. And these are not rules. This is relationship. Because the difference, you know, in the garden there were two trees. There was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Some of us think, well, if I just avoid evil, I'm doing okay. But if what I'm depending on is good, but it's not life, it still can lead to death. That's that's actually the definition of religion. Like it's, here's all the lists. Here's the good things I need to do. But it's not dependent on a relationship with Jesus. But the tree of life is what produces life. And so relationship is the context that all of these things are necessary in. But it's daily decisions. And some of these are things I would encourage and challenge you to apply every day. And you can't help but grow. You just can't help but grow. If you'll apply these and you'll prepare these, and I, I heard this quote recently of Abraham Lincoln. He said, if I was given six hours to cut down a tree, I would take four of them to sharpen the axe. And I don't, I don't know that there's anybody in here that doesn't want change to happen in some area in their life in a good way. Like we all want something to get better. We can be successful in business and have our marriage hurting. We can be, we can be, we can be growing in one area of our life and have the other area falling apart. So all of us have areas that we want change, myself included. We all have areas we want to see growth, but I think it has a lot to do with the daily decisions. And First is what we do with God's word. God's word is the first key that I think all of us need. There's, there's, you know, I think one of the biggest problems in, if I could, I, I, I hate to do, I never do this because I, I think it's too easy to just point fingers and be critical. But let me just say this, the problem in the in the church in America is becoming the abandonment of the word of God. The more we get away from this, the more we try to build and more we have to depend on philosophies and ideas of men instead of something that will long outlast anybody's opinion, including mine. <laughs> and it's the only book, I already told you, that was meant to be read every day with the author. First Peter 2 describes the Bible this way. It says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. What causes growth? Well, it has a lot to do with just like in your physical body, you need food, you need something to, to come in, and, and preferably something healthy to have healthy results. We need our spiritual life to be healthy, and we need to feed on God's Word. There was a study a few years ago that was done, um, and it studied and measured a few different things about just daily walks with God. And one of the things they measured, they studied 40,000 Christians, and, and in the survey, they found there was a huge difference between. The results of those that spent three days reading the Bible. And it didn't say how much they read, how much time they spent. You know, sometimes we think, well, if I can't read 45 chapters today, I didn't read the Bible. But after four days, there was a significant increase in the results. From three to four, something happened. The first one, two, three, there was, there was minimal results, minimal change, minimal impact. But on the fourth day, every week, four days out of the week, people spending time, there was an exponential change. Here's what it was. Feelings of loneliness in this survey group dropped by 40%. Anger problems dropped by 32%. Bitterness in relationships with spouses, kids, close family members dropped by 40% problems with addiction and alcoholism dropped by 57%. this is a this is a big one right here, feeling spiritually stagnant. <laughs> feeling spiritually stagnant 60%. There the, the, there was this significant exponential shift by daily spending time in the word of God. Well, I just don't understand it. I don't have it all figured out. That's okay. You just keep getting in the word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, lead you, guide you. Don't start in the book of Leviticus. (laughs) I'm just going to (laughs) say, but, 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 but get into God's word and spend time in it every day and let God build a foundation that lasts in your life. Number two is prayer. And I'll add to that prayer and fasting that as we have a lifestyle of just relationship with Jesus, talking to God every day, well, I just don't have time. I'm too busy. Well, here's what I I know. We all make time for what matters. But if you'll make time to spend time with Jesus in prayer, just talking to God, just spend time. And I want to say the best time is the beginning, to give him your first. And you know what I've seen? This has been my experience, and I'm busy. I, I I I got three kids. That alone. But 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 here's the thing: when you make space, you actually free yourself up for what matters. When you start your day right, it changes everything. And you realize, because can I just tell you? You may not realize there's spiritual warfare. I'm actually going to spend some time on that in this next series. There's spiritual warfare. There's a battle, and you know one of the biggest things the enemy is going to fight? It's, it's, not, yeah, it's your calling, and it's your identity, and it's your purpose. But you know how he keeps you from those things? By sabotaging you in the little things, the daily decisions. Because he knows how powerful you are. The enemy knows how powerful the call and purpose of God is on your life and your family, and, 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 and he'll do whatever he can. So, so it'll be like this. You're sitting down to read the Bible, and the kids start fighting. You sit down, and everybody starts calling you. You sit down and listen, I'm all for having the Bible app on your phone, but if, if in five minutes of trying to read the Bible app, you're scrolling every app afterward? I mean, I'm just being real. Like, that happens to me too. It's easy. So, so it's, there has to be a way to say I'm going to make time for what matters, and as you make that a part of your daily decision, it'll strengthen your life. That's why he says don't worry about anything but pray about everything. Sometimes the, the indicators, so like on a car, you have those caution lights, the warning lights that tell you that, you know, it's time for an oil change or, or the tire pressure's low or there's an engine issue or whatever. And you see those caution lights? Some of us have been driving with caution lights for a while. In our, our, our spiritual life, you know what a caution light is for me? I don't have the joy that I once had. I'm not as hungry as I once was. Or I'm missing peace where I should have it because all of that's available in Jesus and it's time to change the batteries then. It's time to, to, to get some oil. Do you know what gets oil? These things I'm describing. Number three is praise and worship. Well, I'm not very expressive. It's just not my personality. Well, worship isn't the responsibility of the singers in here. It's actually all of our calling. And as you worship, you magnify whatever you worship. And everybody's actually created a worship. We're all worshipers. The issue isn't if we worship, it's what we worship. It it always cracks me up when Christians in church go, oh, it's just not my personality to you know do any of that like worship stuff. But then you go to a Vikings game. Okay. Number four is giving. Be generous towards God and others. I think the the root of much sin, if not most of it, is self-centeredness. You never have to teach kids to be self-centered. Did you notice that. But, but here's, here's what's amazing. When you begin to put Jesus first and you begin to live to pour out what you've had poured into you, it does something for you. It does something in your life. It fulfills your life in a way you wouldn't otherwise. The last two, number five is the Holy Spirit. I think the missing ingredient for most Christians is not just a new program or a new book or a new idea. It's actually what was God's idea all along to be filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. To be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The last one's the church. And the church is not just a building, but it's a community of God's people where we grow together. Because all of us have blind spots. We all have areas that, you know, we need help sharpening us. We need people around us that are gonna speak life and encourage us. We need people to lift us up. We still gotta get our own oil. We need people around us. It's a lot easier when you've got a support system, when you've got people that are fighting for you, you've got people that are helping you. But you know what? It's not just about what we receive. Because this is where I think a lot of people become dissatisfied in their Christian walk. Because it's not just about receiving. I was never meant to just receive, and that's what we do in church. I, I, I My wife and I, we were on vacation last earlier part in the year, and it was... One of the only times I wasn't leading a service or in church on a Sunday as a pastor preaching or whatever. And you know where we were on Sunday morning? We were in church. Not because of some duty or obligation, but because I need it too. I need to be, I need God pouring into my life through others. But you know what I love too is the church is where all of us bring something to pour into others. So all of, all of us have something that someone else needs. I need what you have, and we, we need what each other has. And it's only together that God has put exactly what's needed for our lives together in the house. If we could put this uh, picture up on the screen. Yeah, there we go. You know, these are, for the most part, daily decisions. If we'll make these a part of our life, it'll take us to the next level. And I've got a AA battery in my hand. It takes two of these to power a microphone. Usually a couple for, you know, I I don't know, one of the biggest challenges that I was not prepared for being a dad is I'm in constant search of batteries. (laughs) There's never enough batteries in the house. You're always trying to find them and you never have the ones you need. You know, even when you're like, man, I got the best Christmas gift ever for my kid and you didn't get batteries. But you know, this battery is good for certain things, but it's not enough to power a car. It's not equipped for that, it's not built for that. I need something a little bit more powerful. And I believe where God takes all of us sometimes requires growth, requires transformation, requires change, because God has something that he's wanting to launch in our life and do through our life. But we're trying to have this level commitment, this level investment, this level uh, passion, and yet God's saying, I want you to have that. Because that's the only thing. If you're, You need oil, not just for a remote. You need oil for a calling, for a purpose, for a destiny, for a family transformed. What God wants to do in our life is bigger than what we have now. And that's why he calls us to experience change and growth. And last thing, last analogy I'll give you is my uh, my dad and I were having a conversation a couple weeks ago. They live full Time in Florida, and you know they're they're looking at you know spending some of the year up here. And one of the conversations we were talking about was how when you leave your car at the airport or at your house for an extended period of time, like maybe some of you are snowbirds, and uh, which means you're probably about to leave real soon. <laughs> but 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 one of the big challenges with that, just practically is when you get in your car after it's sat for an extended period of time of not being used, you get ready to start it, and the battery's dead. Jennifer if you could pass me those cables up there. The battery's dead. And, and you've gotta jumpstart it. So hopefully you have some of these around. And you gotta jumpstart the battery. And you know, Church provides that for our faith. As we gather together and people are pouring into us, that's why we have city groups and that's why we have our dream team because we need people around us that can help jumpstart some things in our life. Where we leave the room and we're like, let's charge hell with a water pistol. Let's do it. But you know, just like your car wasn't meant to be jumped every time you got in it, the thing that keeps the battery charged is repeated use. And your faith, while we all need jump starts sometimes, is meant to be recharged continuously. And I believe it happens by these very things I've described to you. It happens by God's word, by prayer, by worship, by, by getting community happens by being filled with, led by the Holy Spirit. All of these things. Maybe today that's what you need. If you were honest and you looked at your faith, you looked at where things are and your walk with God, there's just some things that have become stagnant, neglected, ignored. Or just good enough. I want to grow. I want to grow. That's why I'm always trying to get around people that are better at just about everything than me. I learned from some great dads this week how to be a better dad I, I, I'm wanting to grow because there's just some things in our lives that, that we're never arriving until we look like Jesus which I'm sorry spoiler alert we're going to keep growing until we get to heaven some of you are like there's a goal in five years I'm going to have everything figured out keep growing keep growing would you stand to your feet let me pray with you Far our altar team could come I could just call back to something I started at the beginning of this. Ephesians chapter 4. After it describes what I read at the beginning, it says this in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into all things and to him who's the head, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. And that's amazing. You and I are connected. And all of us supply something. The lie is that I don't matter. What I bring, what God's given me, doesn't matter. No, it matters. Somebody needs what you carry. Somebody needs what you haven't even discovered yet. (laughs) I'm asking you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I'll be out here in just a moment. But if I could just remind you that today we grow by a decision. But all of this is only possible with the most important decision that we'll ever make and it's the decision to follow Jesus because all of this only works in the context of relationship. Not rules, not religion, relationship. Jesus died on the cross to take my sin and yours to pay the price so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a home in heaven and a purpose right here in this world purpose to live for what matters for eternity. To make a difference. To see our families set free. It all starts with the decision to say yes to Jesus. He's already made available for every person in here, every person alive. He's made available forgiveness, and redemption and forgiveness and freedom. We have to receive it. We have to say yes to it. And if you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, I wanna lead you in a very simple prayer prayer of faith and I say it's simple because it's not about the words but it's about your heart putting your trust and faith in Jesus maybe you trust in everything else and it's run out the batteries are dead you tried it on your own it didn't work would you give it to Jesus if you've never had a relationship with Jesus I want to give you that opportunity right now if you want Pray with us. I want you to respond, not even to this message, but respond to God. Say, Would you save me? Would you help me? Would you forgive me? And as we pray, before we do, if you say that's me, Brian, I need a relationship with Jesus. Would you simply raise your hand? Say, That's me. I need God in my life. Maybe you need to come back to God. You need a fresh start with God. If that's you, just lift your hand. Say that's me, Brian. Yeah. Anybody else? Thank you. Just pray this with me. Say Jesus. Me ask every believer in here. Say Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior. Be Lord of my life. I give my heart to you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you raised from that. You you rose from the dead today I give my whole life to you in Jesus name amen amen before we go one more thing if you're just you're a Christian but man the oil's running out you God to fill you today you need God's help we all have those moments you need some things jump started today of to God. Maybe, Maybe you need more hope, you need more joy, you need more peace. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that what got us here won't get us there, but you're doing something new in the lives of people right here all over this room. And in Jesus' name, God, I pray that everything that we need to put aside, we put aside. And everything we need to Rearrange, we'll rearrange. But God, I thank you that you're the one who gives us the grace we need to grow. God, fill, God, strengthen, God, renew today through your presence, through your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have a specific need you'd like somebody to pray with you, We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.